0: You are listening to Weight Loss Made Real, and this is episode 102. I'm your host, Master Weight Loss Coach and author, Cookie Rosenbloom. Today and every Tuesday, I'm here to teach you and coach you how to end your emotional eating, how to bust through those urges to binge, and how to leave all your overeating habits in the past. If you just found me, welcome. I'm really glad you did. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. Today, we're going to talk about three listener questions. So get comfortable and get ready to be coached. This episode of Weight Loss Made Real is brought to you by The Freedom Group. The Freedom Group is a coaching group That helps you pursue your goals of eliminating emotional eating, losing your extra weight, and bringing more happiness into your life. We use my unique Eat Think Love program with me as your coach and a beautiful group of women just like you for support and accountability. So be sure to check the show notes when we're finished for more information about the Freedom Group and the Eat Think Love program let's get started with today's coaching session. Very often, I get letters. I get lots of emails from my listeners who I love and appreciate. And every once in a while, I answer them on the air. Sometimes, most often, I will write you back an answer via email, but sometimes I group together the ones that I think many people would love to hear And so I make them a podcast, and that's what we're going to do today. All three of these questions are pretty much related to the eat category of my eat, think, love program, but they're all related. And of course, everything we do, even including eating, has a mental component to it. It's what directs us. It's what helps us do what we want to do, or it's what prevents us from doing what we want to do. So we have three questions. One is from Mary about sugar. One is from Suta about beverages and caffeine. And one is from Paula about alcohol. Remember, if you write to me, of course, I'm always going to protect your identity. But let's dive in with the first question from Mary. Mary wrote a very sweet intro, and I'm not going to read all of it in case there's any identifying factors in there, but here's the basis of her question. You said, meaning me, that you decided to give up sugar. I think that is what I need to be able to do to succeed. Could you explain how you did that? Was it just cold turkey? So now let me preface this answer for all three questions by reminding you of my perspective, I'm going to answer these three questions from the psychology and coaching perspective. You know, I'm not a doctor, a physician, you know, I'm not a chemist, a scientist. And so I'm not going to answer it so much about the chemical reactions of these different substances, sugar, caffeine, and alcohol in your body. We're going to talk about that a tiny bit but you can always dive deeper into that if you want more information. We're going to approach it from why you do what you do. You heard Mary's question about sugar. And at some point I did mention that I have not 100% given up sugar, but that I consider it more of a treat that I have very once in a while. I don't feel that great after I eat it. It just does not feel as worth it to me as it used to feel. So when I give myself a treat, a food treat, it's more usually a savory treat, like French fries or something like that. So did I give it up all at once, Mary? Yes. I didn't have such a strong percentage of my diet as being sugary processed foods. It was still a pretty small percent to begin with, maybe 10%, 15%. So for me, stopping was not such a big deal. It was really based on a health decision so that I had a very strong reason why I wanted to do it. There was a lot of thought work involved and it was something that I was able to do because I really wanted to do it and I really wanted the result that I was going to get. So for you, when we talk about mind and body, let's talk about mind first. First, I want you to think about why up until now you want to eat sugary treats. What is it about it that draws you to it? Is it simply the taste or is it emotional eating? Is it to escape an emotion? Is it to give yourself a reward? Is it to just give yourself some sweetness in your life? So I want you to know why you want it. And then Mary, what I want you to look at is why do you want to stop? What's the reason? You said that you think it's what you need to be able to do to succeed. I'm assuming that what you mean is succeed at getting your eating under control and maybe losing some weight. And maybe eating sugar continually puts you on that merry-go-round of having some and physiologically wanting more. Remember, there's two ways that you could set up a craving when you eat sugar. One's going to be physiological. When you eat it, your body is conditioned chemically to want more of that substance. It causes a craving, a physical craving. It also lights up the reward center of your brain so that you have a mental craving as well. So I want you to really understand why you want it why you want it and why you want to stop having it. Are you going to give it up a hundred percent? And if so, why? I want you to know your reason. Are you going to say that I will have it rarely to never, hardly ever? I want you to understand exactly what it is you're going to be looking for. How will you know you're succeeding? And I also want you to be aware that you may get thoughts There won't be anything physical that you can't handle. You'll just have a craving for it. But mentally, you may come up with lots of thoughts about being deprived. And that's what I want you to be aware of. You're not, of course, actually deprived. And I'll put a link in the show notes to my episode talking about deprivation. But deprivation is a feeling that comes from a thought that you are not getting what you need. Now, if you don't have a dessert, a treat, or anything sweet or sugary, obviously you're not deprived. You have what you need in life. You're just not getting something that you want. And remember this, Mary, it's not that you're not getting it or somebody's withholding it from you. It's that you are deciding not to give it to yourself. And that's a very clear difference between not getting what you need in life because something or someone is preventing you from getting it versus you making an adult decision. Sometimes people, I think it was Gretchen Rubin who talks about moderators and abstainers. Some people do better abstaining totally from something that they want to cut back on And some people do better or are able to moderate it. There's not one that's better than the other. It's just that you may fall into one or of those two categories where one is easier for you. And that is what I want you to figure out. Is it easier for you to just have a little once in a while? Or is it easier for you to give it up totally? I want you to know what you're going to do, know why you're going to do it, and I want you to have this be a guideline for yourself, something that you make one big decision on, and then all the little daily decisions when you're exposed to something sweet are so much easier. So I want you to decide ahead. I also want you to focus on what you're going to get. So if you decide that you're giving up or mostly giving up sugar, I want you to be really clear on what you will gain. Because clearly, if there was not some gain for you, you would not even be thinking about doing it. Giving up sugar or anything that you're eating is really a combination of a mind-body practice. So we talked about the mind part of it. Let's talk about the body part now. You know you're not deprived. You're certainly not physically deprived. And if you feel mentally deprived, it simply comes from your thoughts. I want you to make sure if you're stopping eating sugar, that you don't allow yourself to get overly hungry. When you're hungry, give yourself the food that you need. You might want to think about maybe increasing healthy fats like avocados and almonds, and be careful not to give yourself too much substitute sugar, because that still continues the craving that you have. For sugar. It does not really help you get rid of it. It just substitutes it. I want you to take a little bit of education about labels, food labels, because there are 56 names that all mean sugar. So learn your labels. Some are better for you than others. And think about what's really easy to give up first really empty calories like fruit juice, where you have no fat, no protein, no fiber and it's almost all sugar, hits your bloodstream really quickly. Remember, we're not focusing on this, but this might make it a little bit easier for you. See if you might be able to use a very simple exercise like walking as a reward, just so that you could light up those pathways in your brain that give you enhanced mood that maybe sugar used to give you artificially. Mary, let me know if that answers your question about sugar. I hope that it does. And now we're going to move on to listener question number two. So listener question number two is from Suda. And here's her question. I've been listening to your podcast and really think that these are the best weight loss resource that I have come across. I have failed several times in the past and tried several diets. I even lost a lot of weight, but gained it back and more. But your strategies give me hope because you work on a much deeper level. Thank you, Suda. She says, I had a question, and I'm not sure if you covered this in any of your podcasts. How do I handle drinks like tea, coffee, hot chocolate? An hour after my breakfast, for example, I like to have a cup of tea or coffee. I'm not hungry, but I just feel like it. Is this okay when I'm trying? to eat when I'm hungry and stop when I'm full. Similarly, I crave a hot drink in the evening or before bedtime. I'm not sure if drinking it is also considered eating or not. I will sometimes add sugar and milk to my drinks. Can you please help? Everything that you put in your body, everything, it counts. All of it counts. And I'm going to ask you some of the same questions that I asked Mary about sugar. If everything you put in your body except water counts, has substance to it, even if it's liquid, why do you want it? If you know that you're not hungry, what's going on for you? What's going through your mind that tells you that you want to have a hot drink? If it's not physical hunger, is it the desire for some type of warmth, some type of comfort? And why do you want to stop if you want to stop? So especially if you're adding sugar and milk to a drink, it definitely counts. And even if you feel like it's not filling you up so much because it's a liquid, it's skewing your signals that you're getting from your body. What is the feeling that you're looking for when you want a cup of tea or coffee? And now mind you, I'm not saying coffee is bad and I'm not saying tea is bad, but all that caffeine, even if you only have a couple a day, the caffeine does affect your hunger. It does affect how much energy you burn up, how much fatigue you feel, your central nervous system, your heart rate a little bit, and the effects of caffeine in coffee or tea can last in your body for three to four hours. That can kind of confuse your hunger signal. So the more you have, and it doesn't sound like you have a lot, but the more you have, the less you're really in touch with what your body needs. If you're having coffee, tea, and hot chocolate in the morning, what a lot of my clients say is when they have them first thing in the morning, they don't feel hunger for quite a while. So it's not that those drinks fill them up so much, although I'm sure Hot chocolate will make you feel fuller than a cup of tea, but it's more that it messes with your body's physical hunger signals and then it's hard to know what to eat. And then you may be eating just because it's time to eat and not really be hungry. When you crave that hot drink in the evening or before bed, especially if you're adding milk or sugar to it, I don't think that's a great idea, not from a nutritionist. Point of view, because I don't really have that, but more from the point of view of if you want to feel warm and cozy, there are other things that you can do. There are other comforting pre bedtime rituals that you can explore, like being cozy in a chair with a nice blanket over you, reading a good book, putting on soft music, doing something that takes you down a few notches from however your day was going. So maybe you could write a little bit more information to me about how much you're actually having of all of those substances. But I would say that they do affect everything. Unless it's water, it all counts. So if you're not hungry, what is the result you're looking for when you drink those things? Yes, I am asking you to dig a little bit deep, and explore something that most of us just do on autopilot. I am asking you to go into the nitty gritty of this habit a little bit, and next time you feel like, oh, it's morning, and after breakfast, I just feel like having something, the only way you will know what happens in your mind is if you don't give it to yourself and see what comes up, not as a punishment, not like you're trying to be tough and hold yourself back, but more just as a loving friend who's curious about this habit and wants to help you get to the bottom of it. So Suda, I hope that that helps. And please feel free to write to me again to clarify what's happening with the drinks. It could be the drinks themselves. It could be the caffeine in some of the drinks you mentioned, but everything counts but water. Let me know how you're doing. Now we're going to get to our third listener question, and it is from Paula. And I'm sure that many of you can relate to this. Thank you so much for your wonderful podcast. This and Brain Over Binge have helped me overcome a 35-year habit of binging and dieting. So thanks to my friend, Catherine Hansen. Just want to let you know, Catherine, that Brain Over Binge is greatly appreciated. Now here's what Paula continues with. One issue I am having difficulty with is drinking. I don't drink very often, maybe one to two times a month, but I do struggle to know when to stop. I also find I'm craving a drink more often lately. I wondered if, because at the end of the meal, it's my new habit not to continue eating beyond lightly full, that I'm now craving alcohol as a way of soothing or distracting myself. Good for you for really observing what's going on with you and for being aware that maybe you're trading one habit for another and for being aware that maybe you don't want to go down this road with this new habit. So one to two times a month of having a drink or two is surely not too much if it's not giving you a result that you don't want. The only way to know in terms of alcohol, what is too much is what are your results? Does it feel good in your life? First question is what you are doing is struggling to know when to stop. So as we have said, just like sugar, alcohol is perceived as a reward by your brain. And so it becomes a habit because anything that lights up the reward part of your brain, your brain's going to give you a signal to do it again and do it again and do it again when you're trying to not eat emotionally and to not eat without hunger and to stop when there's no more hunger, you're trying to get rid of emotional eating. You're trying to get rid of overeating. But what could happen and what's possible has happened for you is that you don't want to drink emotionally any more than you want to eat emotionally. When you mention it as a way of using it to soothe or distract yourself, it's almost like an exact substitute. So if we take away the chocolate chip cookies, which can distract you, and that distraction from an uncomfortable emotion is soothing in the moment. Of course, it's not soothing in the big picture of your life, but it's soothing in the moment. So if we take away the food that may have done that in the past, But we put in a drink or two, that means that you have not gotten rid of the problem. You've gotten rid of the eating problem, but it sounds like you might be on your way to a little bit of a problem with an alcohol. Not that you're becoming an alcoholic necessarily, but more that you're not dealing with the root cause of why you need to feel distracted or soothed. Let's figure out what's going on in your mind that makes you. Want to feel different than you feel. Because when we use a substance to feel different than we feel right now, we're not dealing with why we have that feeling in the first place. It also encourages you to kind of run away from a feeling. And what I want you to know, Paula, is that there is no feeling, no matter what it is or how uncomfortable it is, that you cannot handle you were created to feel a whole wide range of emotions. So whatever it is you're feeling that you're soothing yourself with with alcohol now, that maybe you used to soothe yourself with food in the past, let's look at the feeling. So that means, just as I mentioned to Suda, the only way to find out what that feeling is and what's under the surface is the next time you want to have a drink, and it's because you feel like you need soothing, then I want you to not do it and see what comes up, see what's under the surface. It doesn't have to be anything terrible, but I want you to try to disconnect soothing with alcohol before it becomes a really big habit. The other thing is what you mentioned about it being hard to stop, or that you don't know when to stop. It's very similar to eating sugar or highly processed sugary or starchy food. The food itself, the way it interacts with your brain and your body, makes you want more. It's not that you have a weakness or anything is wrong with you. It's the substance. It's the caffeine. It's the sugar. It's the alcohol. They make you want more. And not in an evil way, just in a chemical way. So if you find it difficult to know when to stop, What that means to me is, let's stop temporarily at least and see what comes up. See why you're using this habit. See why this habit is growing as your eating is getting better. Let's see if we could eliminate all of the problem eating and drinking so that we're not substituting one problem for the other. Some people are concerned about alcohol because of the calories in it. And some people do gain weight from drinking. We all know about kids that go away to college and suddenly start drinking a lot of beer and other alcohol and gain weight. And of course, it's from the food too. But there could be two reasons why you might be gaining weight if you are from alcohol. One is that alcohol lowers your body's ability to burn fat, could be even up to 73%. So if you're eating food that you don't need, your body's not going to be able to access your own fat for energy. If you're not eating the food because you're doing better with your eating, but then instead you substitute alcohol, now your body's going to use that alcohol as an energy source. So either way, I don't think with all the hard work it sounds like you've done, I don't think you're on a good path in a good direction. So let's just cut it off as quickly as we can, and let's explore what it feels like when you stop at one drink once or twice a month. Let's explore what happens when you don't give it to yourself after eating, when you're lightly full, and see what comes up. That's it for this subject today. I want you to think about these three substances, sugar, Caffeine and alcohol. I want you to think about what your relationship is with each one of them. Are you happy with it? Do you know why you use these three substances? I don't think I can call them foods, but they're substances that we ingest. Why are they a part of your life? Why do you like them? Why don't you like them? What do you think they do for you? And see if you could come to a decision, it doesn't have to be for the rest of your life but just for right now, come to a decision about what you want to do about them. Are you going to have sugar? How much? How often? Are you going to have caffeine and drinks that do have calories if you're not hungry? When? How often? How much? Are you going to give yourself alcohol? And are you using it emotionally like maybe you used to use food? And if you do, know why? know when you'll do it and know how much you'll do. That is what I want you to focus on for the week. So that is it for this subject. I think you know what you're going to think about and focus on for this week. I also just want to leave two quick little reminders. If you have any interest in getting one step closer to being coached by me, there are two ways to do it. One is the freedom group, which I mentioned earlier which will be opening up soon. And I'd love you to get on the wait list for that. So you can be among the first to know. And we work on the eating components, the thinking components, and the love or self-care component. That's number one. Number two is my weight loss made real podcast study guide is available. If you love the podcast, if you love all these subjects, but you're having trouble putting the concepts into action, check out the link to the study guide where I will give you an 11 page sample just so you could see what it's like. It's over 200 pages. I'm very proud of it. It's the next step. So the podcasts are step one, the podcast study guide might be step two in making and helping yourself take action on what you hear. And step three might be coaching live with me in the Freedom Group, whatever appeals to you. I do hope to see you back here next week, where as always, we will continue to work on your emotional eating and binge eating step-by-step until they both become something you used to do. We know that is your ultimate goal. And please feel free to use the email link in the show notes if you have a question that you would like addressed in a future podcast, send it to me. I will either send you an email back answering you, or I will do a whole podcast on your question. So for now, this is your Coach Cookie reminding you that as you search for answers, keep it real, just like you. And I will see you next week.